What am I stepping on? Well, as long as it doesn't have regenerative tissue. <laughs>just occurred i'm getting ready for our daughter's cheer season okay well listen this isn't a cheer cast <laughs> don't think that you and and uh ghostly puppers are going to take over this horror podcast with stuff about cheer season the only thing that this podcast needs to know about cheer season is when is the cheerleading team's halloween parade happening what does the design look like what movies inspired the halloween parade float and are they doing the zombie cheerleader thing again, or are they going to do something a little more creative this time? To be continued on a further episode during our Halloween 25-8-366 celebration. Still working on the name for October. <laughs> well, listen, guys. Last week was quite the party. Hey, pumpkin, settle down. Go lay down. Um, there was at least one bonfire massacre, okay, to kick off our beach party bonfires and blood month. Carrie. There's a much uh, bloodier surfer punk kill footage out there with regards to the Lost Boys. You know, when Keith or Sutherland's character, David, munches down on the the surfer. It might have been one of the surfer Nazis. Yeah. But, uh, we, guys, we had a ton of fun talking to Jason Patrick and Jamie. I can't even talk, guys. Gertz. Jamie. When Jamie smiles, it takes me miles. miles. Just Friends reference. Okay, seriously though, Carrie, when Jason Patrick and Jamie Gertz just gaze at each other from across the way, whoo, that is some sizzling hot Michael and star chemistry. And um, yeah, we also had some thoughts from our fourth graders regarding uh, mascara donning MTV vamps and Joel Schumacher's 80s classic. Yeah, so we are now back for more mayhem on the shore. Welcome to episode 22 or week two of our very first beach party bonfires and blood month carrie we're out of fictitious santa carla and on the shoreline of the very real santa monica california okay we're gonna have to be careful where we stand carrie we don't have john saxon and burt young here to save us anymore why not because Burt young's character went back to chicago because <laughs> he loves chicago so much so was one of the writers or were, were they well, maybe they still are from Chicago. What was the obsession there? There had been something regarding the inside joke about Chicago versus Santa Monica. Hey, Rocky, this wouldn't happen in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong movie. But you get the gist. Um, we're going to talk a lot about Burt Young because when people mention this forgotten oddity, this gem that is Blood Beach, I kind of pair this up with an episode we did a few weeks ago, Carrie, the uh, Canadian tax shelter film Ghost Keeper, where it's kind of into that forgotten gem era. Now, your definition of gem and my definition of gem, and dear listener, your definition of gem might be much different than ours. Everything's and that's subjective okay. here. And, uh, yeah, everything's subjective here at Dime for Midnight. To each their own. That's right. We are not the podcast that will bash movies. Will we give them a lower score than some of them? Yes, but we realize that you guys might give it a different score. Uh, guys, we've done away with the flamethrowers during the month of July. We're rating movies with the wet and wild bloody towel whip, so be on the lookout for that. Don't get whipped in the tookus. <laughs> so, or anywhere else. Unless you like that sort of thing, if and, you know what I and mean. that's okay. And I think you do, as Joe Bob Briggs would say uh guys welcome back to dime for midnight um you know beach party bonfires and blood month this is going to be a thing every year i think uh this is our first ode to summer beach season with a somewhat confusing blood beach with this subterranean beach creature devouring on local yokels and vacationers mixed with a very light sprinkle of police procedural uh this movie actually could have used some like robert forrester 
in it. Or can you even imagine Charles Bronson in a movie like this? No. <laughs> no, no, not Charles Bronson. Oh, but you could imagine. Well, you can't. We don't have to. Burt Young was in this sucker. Yeah. Um, uh, again, Burt Young spends almost the entirety. Had more death wishish. <laughs> wishish death yes. wishish. Make a wish with death wish. <laughs> um. I used to work, do stuff for Make-A-Wish, by the way. So um, maybe we need to talk about Make-A-Wish again. Yeah. So um, Burt Young, you're, you guys, listeners, you're going to hear the name Burt Young five bajillion times in this episode because while everybody wants to talk about the legendary John Saxon and Pumpkin destroying our furniture in the background. No, she's Pumpkin, you're acting like the subterranean beach creature. She's like underneath the podcast table and the both of you women are creating a shit ton of noise on this episode it must have been done okay it must have been done you mean it must be done all right listen where were we channeling burt young channeling burt young (laughs) hey we wouldn't have this kind of crazy dog in a podcast in chicago (laughs) all right um burt young Again, why does he spend this entire movie talking about how he witnessed better police work out of Chicago? Uh, yeah, guys, John Saxon is John Saxon. Um, in this movie, it just feels like John Saxon is in this moment in between more recognizable movies like Black Christmas and A Nightmare on Elm Street. But we love John Saxon just like you guys do. I, I wonder if somebody he knew approached him. And that's why you see him. Maybe it's, it's Freddy Krueger messing with him. It's not very many. Uh, he's not in the film very much. But when he is, his presence He's got is some known. great lines. Yeah. He's got some great lines in this movie, as does everybody in a movie like Blood Beach. Um, so, listen, we love John Saxon. We could have easily named this episode after Burt Young, who pretty much stole the show in this movie, the more I think about it. Uh, and listen, but... Listen, John Saxon, he's I'm that's this isn't even getting into the Italian horror that he's been into. And Carrie, one of your newfound favorites, Tenebrae. Oh, I love that. John Saxon's amazing yes. in that movie. Everybody's amazing in Tenebrae. But um this episode is called John Saxon should have been Amityville Police Chief. Um and I I was just had jaws on the mind watching this movie because even the the tagline, um is about this. What the hell is this dog doing now? You need to shut that shit down, dog. Okay? Um, guys, that is not to take anything away from Roy Scheider. Because Roy Scheider fucking rules. It's a commentary on the writing for John Saxon's character. You had John fucking Saxon and Burt Young. Why, Blood Beach? Why? Um... But we still like you, Blood Beach, because, and I'm thinking long and hard about this. <laughs> no, because seriously, because of the idea behind Blood Beach, the premise, because of the zaniness of this subterranean beach creature, and because of this awesome cast, including those who loved not just Burt Young and John Saxon, but the one and only Mariana Hill, who Carrie was in El Condor with Jim Brown and another one you like from Carpenter movies, Lee Van Cleef. And oh yeah, Clint Eastwood and none other. Hey, Mariana Hill was in Clint Eastwood with in High Plains Drifter. Ooh. Okay? So you don't want to knock Mariana Hill because she's she's had some hell of a parts. Yeah, and let me tell you, her sex scene was pretty awesome. From what you could see of it. Yeah. That's the that's the problem with Blood Beach is the too many dark areas. But I'm nitpicking. Let's give Mariana Hill it's not Mariana, it's like the Mariana Trench. Um, Mariana Hill. Some love, Carrie. Don't forget. Okay, she was in shit, Shitsoid. <laughs> it's not a shit zone. Schizoid <laughs> with Klaus Kinski. Oh. Please elaborate on that one. It's an alternate universe. There's a movie called Shitsoid. <laughs> okay, listen, before I get further flustered, about the fantastic cast and shit site. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, what could have been with Blood Beach? Let, I I talked with Jake about this movie. He's going to have some things to say if the male wolf ever gets going and gets its ass here. Um, let's talk about this movie 
sandwiched in the mid 70s and mid 80s excuse me interest in aquatic horror carry yeah um we're gonna dive right in and talk about the movie poster and tagline um you've got the dark red sun or excuse me the dark red sky on this poster and the sun and it's very typical you know what you're getting with blood beach when you look at this poster yeah and i'm just looking at the tagline on the poster yeah um I the main tagline, the one that everybody talks about when you think of Blood Beach, they are the marketing for this film was fantastic. And Carrie, I actually researched there's a you can Google a lot of old newspaper ads. They had full page inserts of Blood Beach. And I, I can't even imagine like in the early 80s seeing this. I'm like, oh yeah, this is like the answer to Jaws. Yeah. Because the tagline is just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. You can't get to it in this movie. You're not safe in the water. You're not safe on the land. Yeah. You might be safe in the boathouse with a soft rock duet. (laughs) (laughs) No, you will be safe because your character will be hidden in the shadows away from the the subterranean beach creature. No, that's my one knock on this movie is just the lighting is like, what the hell? Um, Carrie, walk us through a couple of other these other taglines. Well, just initially, the first one that's on the poster... The five people believed to have drowned here and never even made it past the sand. Like, they're telling you, okay, five people are going to die. Fast I think forward it today. was kind of more than that, or that, I think it was more than five. The guy at the beginning of the fog is telling the kids the story. I've got this other story about the subterranean beach creature. <laughs> it's not as good as the one here in the movie that we're in but anyways um it's a nice place to visit (laughs) but you don't want to die here no listen uh i've got it on good authority that santa monica beach in the early 80s was not that great of a place to visit (laughs) except if you're training like rocky balboa and rocky three and that's Um, a beach probably the the california coast playground of america okay (laughs) until something deep beneath the sand (laughs) <laughs> turned it into blood beach um just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water <coughs> you can't get to it i already said oh, that tagline right. what the hell uh-huh. i know i know pumpkin our dog is yes, throwing you off now she is. so the five people oh you read, read that one <laughs> see what the hell god damn it you threw me off carrie you jumped ahead you jumped ahead in the guide look what fucking happens listen what is this last one? It's not even complete thought. <laughs> Where the water may be the safest place to be. Okay. Blood. Okay. Be- oh, it's putting it after the title. Blood Beach, where the water may be the safest oh, place to be. Okay. Thanks, IMDB. You probably should have put the whole entire thing there, but that's my fault for not checking it. Creators and cast. This was directed by Jeff Lee. Jeff Lee. <laughs> Are you okay? Jeff Lee. Is the heat getting to you? The heat is on. It's on the streets. It's on the blood beach. Uh, Jeffrey Bloom, uh, written by Jeffrey Bloom, story by Jeffrey, Jeff Lee Bloom, and Stever Nalavansky. Now, look, I can't say Jeffrey Bloom, but I can say Nalavansky. Okay. Um, I'm a little confused by who this was produced by. Steven also produced it, but Sir Run Run Shaw. I've got questions. Okay. You know where my mind is. Um, they do run, run, run. They, they do, do run, run, run. run. Um, starring David Huffman, Mariana Hill, Stefan Girash, and of course John Saxon and Burt Young. Uh, cinematography, cinematographer. We got to talk. <laughs> Maybe it was the camera guy's fault. Maybe it was lighting. Stephen Poster. Uh, edited by Gary Griffin, music by Gilmel, distributed by the Jerry Gross Organization, uh, and of course we all knew who Compass International Pictures is. I used to love seeing that yellow Compass International Pictures logo come on certain and movies. This is actually not a very long movie. I mean, ninety minutes is long enough. Uh, you could argue in the late seventies, early eighties that ninety-two minutes is a long time for a beach creature feature. There's movies out there that would have done this in 75, yeah. 80 minutes. Yeah. And it would have worked. It would have been tighter. This movie would have been sub 90 if they got rid of that boathouse duet scene. <laughs> yeah. That was completely not. <laughs> not helping the story go further <coughs> at all. 
Not at all. Um, so I'll talk about director Jeffrey Bloom for a minute. He doesn't have a long career of directing. It, it spanned probably about a decade and a half. Um, before Blood Beach came a couple of movies of his called The Stick Up and Dog Pound Shuffle. Um, there was a TV series that he was a part of just for one episode called Dark Room. That was his next gig after Blood Beach. Um, there's actually a, an interesting made-for-TV movie a, a few years after Blood Beach called Jealousy. Um, he did those for a while. Uh, hmm. for a couple of years, he did another TV movie called star cross and another one called the right of the people before he made the famous or infamous, yeah. however you look at it, the flowers in yeah. the attic based off of the book. Yeah. And so that, that's interesting. I remember even watching that. Oh, I did too. I remember being, um, wasn't expecting that. I knew no. nothing of the book when I watched it as a kid. No, we, had, we did have to read it eventually. I, I remember having to read it, but I, I saw the movie before yes, I read the book. So did I. It's another one of these. Trying to think of another movie. That was like at the height of the made-for-TV movies, Pro- like the beginning, like the beginning of it. Yeah. Well, well, Flowers in the Attic was not a made-for-TV movie. No, but, but that time was. Yeah. Well, the the Flowers in the Attic is another movie that reminds me of like the Blue Lagoon, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I didn't realize there was going to be such weird yeah. adult coming-of-age themes yeah. in this thing. Um, it was kind of like, oh yeah, they're kind of like stuck together in this movie and. Oh boy, they're no thanks. <laughs> I don't. Those are the type of movies I don't need to revisit. Um, they each have their merits, but that's just not for me. Uh, we are going to move on to the cast, of course. Carrie, uh, I know you liked the Harry character. Yes, um, I did. Uh, Harry Calder, played by David Huffman, of course. Mariana Hill plays. I thought um, they had pretty good chemistry. Yeah, or when you enough. saw them together, enough. Yeah, I, I I would say Mariana Hill carried that chemistry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sergeant <laughs> Royko, played by Burt Young, who's the man in this movie, who's always complaining, just like Polly in the Rocky movies. Um, we've got John Saxon as Captain Pearson. Okay, he hasn't graduated to police chief yet. Okay, so he's not ready for Amityville in this movie. Not Amityville. Well, no, it is Amityville yes, because the, the because that's the same yes. place as the evil. Yeah, supposedly same evil. Universe. That's a whole other story. Um, but we cannot forget Lena Posette as Marie. Um, we gotta mention Lieutenant um, Piana Dossi, played by Otis Young. He actually was really good in it. Um, Darrell Fetty as Hoagie. <laughs> uh, and here's the most underrated character in this whole entire movie that he is the glue in this movie. Stefan um, Garrosh as Dr. Demetrios. Okay. Eleanor Z is Mrs. Sidon. Pamela McMiler is Mrs. Hench, which she had some interesting dialogue. Harriet um, Medine as Ruth Hutton. She started off the movie with some weird dialogue. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mickey Fox as Moose. Laura Burkett as the girl in sand. And Marletta Giles as one of the girlfriends. <coughs> um, Carrie, out of this dawn of the 80s beach horror, um, I, I would say it's like a B or a C grade movie. Uh, who is your favorite character in this movie? I mean, uh, is this a no-brainer? Yeah, it just is. for a pure entertainment yes. factor. Sergeant Orko. I mean, j- just the cheesy references yeah. to Chicago, his abrasiveness, and the just—he's got an answer for everything in this movie. I'm just, expecting Sylvester Stallone or Talia Shire to walk out every single time he's and talking how, in this movie. Oh, Polly shot it. Yeah. Hey, come on, Polly. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Is. This is Sergio Royko, guys, and too bad of a guy. Maybe you should listen to him. I mean, I've never been to Chicago. <laughs> no, she's telling me don't do it. Don't, don't continue the Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> no. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. <laughs> Let's keep talking about Blood Beach. Okay? Stop. <laughs> no, I won't stop. stop. I can't stop from rocking Balboa. <laughs> um... <laughs> Listen, do you know how long I've been voicing Sylvester Stallone because I idolized him? I know. So I'm going, now that Sylvester Stallone is out of the episode. Um, I was about to say, hey, yo. I'm going with Dr. Demetrios, 
who's a character with dialogue, um, an amount of dialogue that really rivals John Saxon's amount of dialogue in this movie. We may have heard more <clears throat> out of the mouth of the doctor than anyone else in this movie. Whenever they the dog spoilers dies, yeah. he's got a lot of thoughts there towards the end in the trailer with Burt Young's Royco. I mean, he's doing this all. He's not just the the doctor per se. He's theorizing. <laughs> no, in the places dude's that you're like, like the dude, wait, the dude is that like really does he like hold the medical examiner's does job? He, does he hold? multiple doctorate degrees like (laughs) like he's an md and he's and he's got a um biology degree and a veterinarian yeah to boot Uh, a um what what is the a marine biology yeah (laughs) like well no it's not marine because it's not of the sea anyways let's not go there because we don't know what the hell we're talking about um before we move on to death and effects, Carrie, let's take a moment to remember the original subterranean beach creature here. Not spoilers, the one the 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 pieces that get blown to smithereens here. It's time to finally give Blood Beach Creatures an official name. If Audrey 2 is the beautiful but deadly name of the ultimate unexpected creature in the Little Shop of Horrors, then we're naming this monster, Carrie who looks like some sort of large suction cup thingy with varicose veins. Carrie, I know you're thrilled with this name. <laughs> oh, I am. <clears throat> the creature's name. This is official in the history books of Blood Beach. We have officially named the Blood Beach creature. His name is Bodie. And yeah, Bodie from Point Break. That's a that's a Point Break reference. Oh, yeah. Okay. So from here on out, you can't say subterranean beach creature. You have to say Bodhi. Bodhi. Okay. <clears throat> Bodhi was blown to smithereens. And but what happens with those smithereens? Hmm. Hmm. Stay for the credits. Um, it's weird. I had like a mid-credits scene in an early 80s movie. Yeah. Um, Carrie, favorite death and effects. You go first. So when the reveal of the lair and you see all the pieces of the people taken... All the ones that the creatures collected, I, you know, I believe that this is how our main girl discovers her mom is really dead. Because at this point, they feel like she's just missing or gone because she's older. No. No. It's confirmed. <laughs> it's she's confirmed. dead. Um, really, in a C movie that marketed itself well with the poster and trailer, as I was mentioning earlier. Earlier. <laughs> I'm having issues today, people. Um, guys, recall this is way before social media marketing. Um, this movie, it's really light on kills and gores. But I'm going to go with the Beverly Hills teen who gets her legs flayed while turning down pot. <laughs> as she has her body happily buried in the sand by her friends. And can we just say... The scream was awesome. That really... The police chief, he's like, yeah, she was slumming it from Beverly Hills. <laughs> like, what? Wait a minute, are you talking about John Saxon? Yeah. To be clear, he's a captain, not a police chief. Oh, captain. That's very important. Sorry, captain. Although the captain had a ton of powers in this one. Yeah, like it was like the police chief. I don't know why they just didn't call him chief. He plays chief in every other movie. That's what I mean. Of course, no, because they haven't happened yet. Well, no, I think he was the chief in Black Christmas. I'm going to look that up again. But anyways... Yeah, he's like, yeah, she was slumming it. There's there's not a lot of care for the local yokels or or vacationers here by the police. They're just like, we just got to get this creature, screw the rest. So we can tourism, get that money going. That's right. At one point, I was, I was expecting him to stand in front of the uh, city council in the Jaws movie there, which is, it's clearly a ripoff of Jaws. Oh, yeah. Clearly. And, and the, the sub message is greed subliminal messages not subliminal is the smithereens whispering into your ear <laughs> the sub message not watch subliminal watch watch blood beach watch blood beach okay schmeagle schmeagle <laughs> a pipe and a crepe a smoke and a pancake um wait a minute what were you just saying <laughs> You keep throwing me off this episode, damn it. 
Let's just move on. Hurry up before that subterranean. I mean, Bodie. Let's hurry up before Bodie gets to us. We are moving right along to the top 10. Just what you asked for. Blood Beach quotes and dialogue. Carrie, kick us off. This is from Ruth. <clears throat> At number 10. Mm. Didn't see you yesterday. Hope you're not getting lazy. <laughs> the start, the very first thing out of this movie is that line. And Harry's muffled. I've got the day off. Figured I might as well sleep in. Ruth goes. Quizzically. That's, that's the way it always begins. This one day. And then that's the beginning of the end. Um, That makes no sense to me at all. Hey, Ruth, I think you need to get some caffeine in you. She, she knows his his daily routine a little too much. Um, Okay, then. Kind of creepy. She's a little neb-nose. Creepy. <laughs> Number nine, Sergeant Roykow. <coughs> Jesus, Bert Young. I don't understand how you could stand this place. This is the armpit of Southern California. I can't do a Bert Young voice. In a role where Burt Young is already in the midst of playing Polly and Rocky for going on three movies now, he channels Polly here throughout the entire film. The other Polly is Santa Monica in Santa Monica movie next to Rocky three. Um, I wonder if Burt Young was channeling the Rocky three script. He was already reading here before it came out. Why not? Um, and then uh, you do number eight. Okay. Number eight. This isn't Chicago. We know how to do it. After going on and on here throughout the entire film, he's talking about the humanity of the place. Even at one point saying he'd level the entire area. Really? Okay. Again, thank you. Burt Young, your character is very memorable. And blunt. Yeah. <laughs> but laughable. Jinx. <laughs> um, so... And he adds a lot of levity. He really does. He and, really does. And number seven, we've got Catherine. Hello, Harry. Um, where we are introduced to Catherine, played by the memorable. Talk about acting with eyes, even in a film of this caliber. God, my gosh, I can't talk today. You okay? Caliber. It's been a long day, folks. Long day soaking up the sun and the waves. <laughs> Mariana Hill. Psych, I've been staring at a laptop all day. Um, brief pause. And then we learn of a side character's name where Catherine says, hi, Hoagie. Um, and Hoagie responds. Uh, he says, just singing. I, I just thought that that was so weird. And I guess that's our clue that he's a singer. Yeah. And a nod to the fact that he gets into a duet with a woman at the boathouse for some soft rock performance that doesn't belong in any movie. Um, and I think they both die. Do they? He okay. does at the end. All right. Sorry. Hoagie and her exchange is very confusing to me. Yeah. Um, so, Carrie, you got the next one. This is the bag lady, Mrs. Selden, at number six. Hey, remember me? To Catherine. Catherine finally recognizes the bag lady as Mrs. Selden, where then she rants on about her mother. They're lying. Don't be stupid, girl. Your mother was raped and murdered. Okay, so there's this little, like, Blood Beach prequel of a sex-crazed slasher that was never made. Maybe that should have been made. Or we find out later that maybe it was the subterranean beach creature that got her. But they hint to something other story that happened before this movie. It was really confusing. Yeah. Um, and Carrie, you think there was a nod uh, here with one guy that assaulted the woman under the pier? Yeah. He dies a grisly fate. So it was like, yeah. is that guy who does the attempted rape, is that her mom's attacker? Or is that just another rapist? Uh, who knows? <clears throat> There's some loose ends here yeah. with Blood Beach. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. <clears throat> so our first five favorite quotes or dialogue is within the first 10 to 11 minutes of this movie. Starts off really well. Then we've got Dr. Demetrios, who finally lets us in on what killed Ruth's dog and says, if I had to make an educated guess, well, doc, that's what you're here for. Not a guess. Put that medical education to use. He continues, it was a large man or an average-sized man with huge hands, very long, very sharp fingernails. Dear Dr. Demetrios, I'm an average-sized man with large hands, and while I would never harm an animal, um, you need to lay off the booze or get more caffeine or something. 
there's some really gnarly writing going on in this movie. Um, you know, you would have found the evidence of either the fingernail um, or undefinable with saliva matter on the dog. And you know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Vampires. He's describing <laughs> vampires. Vampires? Did you say vampires? I did say vampires. I just dropped a once bitten moment on you. I know. The librarian who doesn't get enough love in that movie. Ooh, yes, we can talk about vampires. Um, num- number four. No, I will not stop. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> um, you should stop. <laughs> Guy Clark's. Yes, the artist Guy Clark. The song at number four is sung by Hoagie, who gets his blues on. His rendition of Fools for Each Other. And... Um, I am not singing this whole entire thing. I am not singing this. Who walked out when the times got hard? When the truck broke down in the whole front yard? It wasn't me. It wasn't you who shot pool all night long. Wound up betting on the crack of dawn. That was you, darling. And that was me. And we are fool for each other. Wait a minute. No, there's more than one fool. Me and you, we are lovers. In fact, we've gone crazy out back like only fools for each other would do. I can just imagine this on Yacht Rock. Dude, that was such a half-ass attempt. I am not moving on. With better, g- better, better than what I would li- have done. Listen, we're going to leave Guy Clark's I'm semi-classic not- alone. <laughs> I'm not a singer. There's yeah, no doubt. Neither am I. Carrie, number three, I want you to tell me about what this councilwoman has to say mm-hmm. today, bitch. <laughs> if I'm to understand this, Captain, you've been spending taxpayers' money for the better part of the week. Okay. <laughs> so it's not even a week yet. Okay. With um at this point, I think four murders. Is this woman transported from the movie Judge Dredd where yeah. <laughs> there's like the jury and the, the executioner? Immediate. immediate sentence. Yes. I mean, this councilwoman, she just has ridiculous expectations. Yes, agreed. Uh, <clears throat> I am going to do number two. Okay. <clears throat> because I'm going to be selfish and I'm going to take the great speech Go ahead. by John Saxon's captain character. Men... As to if intentionally add insult to injury, the dog, which I understand something less uh, than 10 pounds it weighed, I'm pretty sure was not considered a mortal threat to anyone, had its head bitten off some 18 hours later. Last but not least, lovely blonde 16-year-old girl from Beverly Hills, no less slummated, I presumed, suffered massive damage to both her once pretty legs, maybe crippled for life, and her mind blown halfway to the moon simply because she was foolish enough to lie down on this particular beach. To which Sergeant Royko replies, what else? Never would have happened in Chicago. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite lines. <clears throat> that whole exchange right there, just... There, there's Royko. There's Polly with the, just the blunt response. <laughs> Never mind. Is he even paying attention to the captain? Or is just every response is, what happened in Chicago? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't even think he was paying attention. He was just like... <laughs> Thinking he of, so does not want to be to in insert. Santa Monica. Yeah. Uh, Carrie, um, do you want to? This is both of our number. This You brought this up, and the more I thought about it, this is the best hmm. line of dialogue in yeah. this whole movie. Excuse okay. me. Did you know, Sergeant, that there are quite a variety of creatures on particularly... Am partic- I rubbing off on you in this episode? You are. And particularly below God's green earth. Each and every has the capability of a remarkable act known as regenerative process. Isn't that fascinating? My main concern with... He's not happy when he's, he's saying not happy. this. He's like... But you're very bubbly talking about this threat. I'm not bubbly. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> my main concern, which I'm sure is not sharing my research. <laughs> you got the stewardess voice out. It's coming. It's coming back. Do I need to soak? Soak. Do I need to sink Bodie on you? <laughs> I need to soak Bodie. I need to give Bodie a bath. <laughs> See, Bodie nice likes birdie. the bath. <laughs> There's no Carrie. We know how much you hate the Alfred Hitchcock classic, The Birds. But this movie is not about birds, Carrie. This movie is about Bodie. 
Okay. Oh my god. You respect Bodie. Respect him. Put some respect on Bodie's name. Okay. Oh my god. Come on. We're talking about Bodie okay. here. Doctor Demetrios. Doctor, yeah, Doctor Demetrios. My main concern, which I'm sure is not shared by you, Sergeant, is that this creature, this fella, we're waiting for. What if he possesses these similar abilities? So, you think about it for a minute, Sergeant. What if I'm right? What will happen after we've pushed the plunger and blown this poor creature into smithereens? What might become of each smithereen? Hmm. And we all know, if you watch this movie, you know what happens. Watch the credits. Pay attention to the credits. This is the one of the C-grade films you actually should watch the credits. All the way through the end, yes. Yeah. Um, I like the darker ending where it's not over. And I'm sure dun, the marketing dun, dun. team was hoping for Blood Beach too, but um, this one, unfortunately, guys, fell with a thud. No. Um, Can we talk about, like, they, they actually did things in this movie that I don't know any other movie would have gone through. Like, showing the dog get the head bit off. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was pretty, like... You were like, no, 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 no. Like, and the dog knew where its owner was taken. It could smell. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it could track and it, it knew. Use its GPS <laughs> to put a chip on its owner. <laughs> if, it, if the dog was a digger. Listen, listen, it's not ever too good of an idea to dive too deep, to dig too deep, to look too deep into Blood Beach. You'll never know what you'll find. Dead dog, dead dog. I just keep thinking of that scene from Popcorn with the smells, the smell of vision. Dead dog, dead dog. Um, We're moving right along to our rating. Again, guys, thanks for listening to us. This was week two of our Beach Party Bonfires and Blood Month, talking Blood Beach. Um, Carrie, what are you you giving blood beach here i mean they can't they can't all be lost boys no and they're not going to be And each movie has its own merits merits and its own like okay this it did this it did this which was really cool however taking it as a whole i just i have to give it a two it was very disjointed it, it was very hard for me to get through um at first it started out pretty well I mean, the first disappearance happened fast. It really did. The rest of it just, it didn't make sense to me. I mean, why is this person doing what they're doing? Why? I mean, there were certain things like the whole scene about them singing in the boathouse. What did that do for the I don't story? know why that was there. That obviously somebody was like, hey, Let, I know you like to sing. Mo- you like to yeah. sing. There's this boathouse where we've been hanging out after shooting's over for the day. Why don't you get up there? We'll shoot a few shots. Yeah, I mean, why? I'd like to know. I'd like to see that Blood Beach script. It's floating out there somewhere. Oh, there's, a, there's, I bet you there's probably about three or four different. Uh, I don't know, but look, I liked this one a little bit more than you did. And, and what did you give this movie again, Carrie? A two. I'm giving this a three, okay? Um, the singing, but more importantly, Burt Young, John Saxon, the Dr. Demetrius character, makes this one Blood Beach. It's kind of grown on me since we've watched this one over the past month or so. Um, the speech by Dr. Demetrius and the way they tie it up with the end credits, like you mentioned, saying those pieces that were blown to smithereens um, are ready to spill more blood at the Santa Monica Beach. Every time I watch Blood Beach, I notice small little things and i like it just a little bit more each time it's never gonna be a four for me guys you know lost boys was like a four to a four and a half for us um i think we rated a what 4.25 last week that one had an an actual cultural impact on an entire decade an entire slew of horror fans oh yeah you will come across horror fans that i mean all different iconic. genres and they've almost all of them have watched lost boys i mean people <clears throat> who aren't normally now, horror fans have seen <clears throat> Lost boys and i was talking with jake and i think the good thing is what we do on this podcast is we do jump around quite a bit we won't yeah. just stay on the classics we'll go to some ones like blood beach hey Next month is Taste of the UK month. We're doing a TV movie um, uh, that BBC made. Okay. So 
Um, it just goes to show you there's tastes out there for everybody. Everything's subjective. We are never going to do an interview and knock somebody's movie. We're never going to do a review and completely knock it. Yeah, we're going to mention things that we didn't like or things are like, what the hell was that? But that does not mean that we hate the movie or think it's no. crap. It, anybody that can put this much time and energy into something, they love something about it. And you can always find something you enjoy about every movie. So with all of that being said, um, that brings us to the Beach Party and Bonfires Blood Month official rating system for Blood Beach of 2.5 out of 5 wet and wild bloody towel whips. Uh, guys, that brings us to intermission. Just remember, we've got that $4 Patreon ghoul tier. Next week, we are talking Liana Liberato in episode 23, July 21st, in the Shutter original movie, The Beach House, or as we like to call, at least there's no poop in their suitcase. Yep. Episode 24, to round things off. We're going to be recording with Jake real soon for his favorite werewolf movie. That's right. The episode's called Adopt Us D. Wallace. You know what it is. We're talking The Howling. Now, guys, stick with us. We're going to go to segment two, Horror Etc., where Carrie's going to finish her vampire poetry from last episode. That one, what does it carry? Christabel by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Yes. Stick around. Thirsty? The refreshment stand is open with everything to satisfy your taste buds. Here's the menu. The hottest, freshest, crunchiest popcorn. Each kernel popped to its fullest with that real movie time taste. Cold drinks. You'll find your favorite ice cold, tasty, and thirst quenching. And hot dogs, hamburgers, and candy too. Now a short intermission, so you'll have time to make your selection before the show begins. minutes till showtime. Your attention please. All new hotshot electric in-car heaters have been installed for your comfort and convenience. Just insert heater through car window and turn on the switch. When leaving, please turn switch off and replace on speaker post. Warning, high voltage. For your own safety, do not attempt to repair or remove wires. Do not attempt to open heater unit. If you need assistance, please notify the theater box office or concession manager. Guys, we are back from intermission. Oh, dang. Okay, Mailwolf, you're running a little late this episode. What's up with that? Okay, let's listen to what Jake has to say about John Saxon, Burt Young, and this blood beach. Case and Carrie, just when you thought it was safe to go back into the water, you can't get to it. Greetings, my friends of fright. It is once again me, Jake, the Midnight Traveler, once again spending a hell of a lot of time in the sun as of late, especially for a guy whose thing is about wandering around at night. Damn, this whole season is just wrecking my image. Anywho, it's still summer, it's still hot, and we're still watching movies. I guess there are some fun things to do out there, no matter how close or far from the sun you are. So, let's get down to it and talk about this week's sunny submission, 1980's overlooked classic, Blood Beach. Now, I want you to think about something here, people. Perspective and the choices therein. Allow me to explain, if you will, right here. It's been often stated that the first true summer blockbuster film was 1975's masterpiece, Jaws. Chances are you've seen it and can quote at least a quarter of it. If you haven't, then please stop listening right now and go see it. I will wait. Okay, now that you've all caught up with the rest of us, let's take a look into that and its impact. To put it bluntly, 
This movie scared the living shit out of the entire world and probably did more to hinder the advancement of swimming lessons for decades to come more than anything before or since. The message of the film was clear, other than the fact that Robert Shaw is one of the greatest men to ever live, that is. The ocean is full of legitimate monsters whose sole purpose in life is to devour you at any chance it can, and all you have to do is be in the water. That's scary, right? You bet it is. However, what is the biggest weakness to a massive hungry shark? No, not Roy Scheider, but it's close. It's the land. Sharks can't get you on land, period. They would die within a few minutes tops and the lack of legs would greatly hinder their mobility. Seems simple, right? So the land we've established is the kryptonite for the shark. Simply go there and you are safe. But what if there was something that could only get you on the land? What if that killer pretty much was the land and you can't even see it until it's already under you it has you and you're pulled down and ripped to pieces say what you will this is a killer idea for a horror movie if i do say so myself well this is what we have here in store for you with blood beach I'm pretty confident that most of you haven't even seen this. I wasn't even made aware of it until I was well into my horror viewing career by a couple of decades and found myself living back in the heat with nothing to do most nights and actually came across a pretty good rip of this on YouTube of all places. When it was over and I wandered back out into the hot summer night, I asked myself, why had it taken me so long to find it? The cast here is stacked with, you know, familiar genre staples. The great John Saxon, the underrated Mariana Hill, and Bert and Otis Young. Trust me, no relation on those two. I did check. And to be honest, <laughs> I think the whole thing is put together pretty well. The budget made pretty good use of the funds. The script is solid, and there isn't really too much here for me to pick apart. If I was a smarter man, I could tell you exactly why this didn't make a bigger impact and launch a series like Spielberg's did. But I can tell you that this one is fun as hell and the reveal of the monster at the end is impressive and it truly wraps things up with a bang. Put it bluntly, I think this is a great idea, and it's a shame that it didn't catch on as far as I'm concerned. I urge anyone listening out there to check out this for a slab of summer slaughter with a Southern California flair, if that sort of thing is something you fancy. As for me, I guess I gotta go. All that talk about Chicago in that movie has me craving a hot dog. And before you ask, I will be putting ketchup on it, like a good southwestern Pennsylvanian boy should. And before you ask, I will fight you on this. See you next midnight, Jake. Hey, sounds like Jake likes it a little bit more than we do, Carrie. And that's okay. Yeah. Jake, we miss you, buddy. Can't wait to get you on that howling episode. I'd howl, but I think the male wolf can do a little better. Male wolf, give me a howl. Let's give a howl for Jake in the howling episode coming up. Arr! Yeah, there we go. Okay, Carrie, grace us with the remainder, or at least a remainder of part one of of Christabel. Take it away, Carrie. So free from danger, free from fear, they crossed the court right glad they were. And Christabel devoutly cried to the lady by her side, Praise we the virgin all divine, who hath rescued thee. From thy distress. Alas, alas, said Geraldine. I cannot speak for weariness. So free from danger, free from fear. They crossed the court, right glad they were. 
Outside her kennel, the mastiff old, lay fast asleep in moonshine cold. The mastiff old did not awake, yet she an angry moan did make. What can ail that mastiff beach? Bitch, sorry. <laughs> beach, bitch. <laughs> Two inch beach. You ne- son of a beach. <laughs> <laughs> Never till now, she uttered yell, beneath the eye of Christabel. Perhaps it is the owlet's scritch. I love that owlet's scritch. For what can ail the mastiff bitch? <laughs> Start calling you a mastiff bitch. <laughs> oh, I'm getting the death gaze. They pass the hall that echoes still. Pass as lightly as you will. The brands were flat. The brands were dying. Amid their own white ashes lying. But when the lady passed, there came a tongue of light, a fit of flame. And Christabel saw the lady's eye, and nothing else she thereby. Save the boss of the shield of Sir Leon Tall, which hung in a murky old niche in the wall. Oh, softly tread, said Christabel. My father seldom sleepeth well. Sweet Christabel, her feet doth bear, and jealous of the listening air. They steal their way from stair to stair, now in glimmer and now in gloom, and now they pass the baron's room. As still as death with stifled breath, and now have reached her chamber door, and now doth Geraldine press down the rushes of the chamber floor. Hmm. The moon shines dim in the open air, and not a moonbeam enters here. But they without its light can see the chamber carved so curiously, carved with figures strange and sweet, all made out of the carver's brain for a lady's chamber meet. The lamp with with twofold silver chain is fastened to an angel's feet. The silver lamp burns dead and dim, but Christabel the lamp will trim. She trimmed the lamp and made it bright and left it swinging to and fro while Geraldine in wretched plight sank down upon the floor below. Oh, weary lady Geraldine, I pray you drink this cordial wine. It is a wine of virtuous powers. My mother made it of wild flowers. And will your mother pity me, who am a maiden most forlorn? Christabel answered, Woe is me. She died the hour that I was born. I have heard the gray-haired friar tell how on her deathbed she did say that she should hear the castle bell strike twelve upon my wedding day. Oh, mother dear, thou, that thou wert here, I would, said Geraldine, she were. But soon with altered voice, said she, off, wondering mother, peak and pine. I have power to bid thee flee. Alas, what else, poor Geraldine? Why stares she with unsettled eye? Can she, the bodiless dead, espy? And why, with hollow voice, cries she, Off, woman, off, this hour is mine, Though thou her guardian spirit be. Off, woman, off, tis given to me. Then Christabel knelt by the lady's side and raised to heaven her eyes so blue. Alas, said she, this ghastly ride, dear lady, it hath weltered you. The lady wiped her moist, cold brow and faintly said, "'Tis over now.' Again the wildflower wine she drank, her fair large eyes again glitter bright. And from the floor whereon she sank, the lofty lady stood upright. She was most beautiful to see, like a lady of a fair country. And thus the lofty lady spake, All they who live in the upper sky do love you, holy Christabel, and you love them, and for their sake, and for the good which me befell, even I in my degree will try. Fair maiden, to requite you well. But now unrobe yourself, for I must pray, ere yet in bed I lie. Quoth Christabel, so let it be. And as the lady bade, did she. 
Her gentle limbs did she undress and lay down in her loveliness. But through her brain a will and woe, so many thoughts moved to and fro. That vain it were her lids to close, so halfway from bed she rose, and on her elbow did recline to look at the Lady Geraldine. Beneath the lamp the lady bowed, and slowly rolled her eyes around, and drawing in her breath aloud, like one that shuddered, she unbound. The cincture from beneath her breast, her silken robe and inner vest, dropped to her feet in full view, behold, her bosom and half her side, a sight to dream of, not to tell. Oh, shield her, shield sweet Christabel. Yet Geraldine nor speaks nor stirs. Ah, what a stricken look was hers. Deep from within she seems halfway, to lift some weight with sick a sway, and eyes the maid and seeks delay, then suddenly, as one defied, collects herself in scorn and pride, and lay down by the maiden's side, and in her arms she, the maid she took, ah, well a day. And with a low voice and doleful look, those words did say, in the touch of this bosom, there worketh a spell, which is Lord of thy utterance, Christobel. Thou knowest tonight, and wilt know tomorrow, this mark of my shame, this seal of my sorrow. But vainly thou wearest, for this is alone in thy power to declare that in the dim forest thou heardst a low moaning, and foundst a bright lady surpassingly fair and didst bring her home with thee in love and in charity, to shield her and shelter her from the damp air. Where'd you go, Carrie? I'm right here. <laughs> Are you getting scared, Carrie? No. Do you want me to keep going? <laughs> Do I dare? I think you should. Okay. This will be the last time you pick a poem like this, I guarantee. The conclusion. It was a lovely sight to see. The Lady Christabel, when she was praying at the old oak tree, amid the jagged shadows of mossy leafless boughs, kneeling in the moonlight to make her gentle vows, her slender palms together pressed, heaving sometimes on her breast. Her face resigned to bliss or bell, her face, oh call it fair not pale, and both eye, both blue eyes more bright than clear, each about to have a tear. With open eyes, ah oh, woe is me, asleep and dreaming fearfully, fearfully dreaming yet I wish, dreaming that alone which is, of oh, sorrow and shame, can this be she, the lady who knelt at the old oak tree. And lo, the worker of these harms that holds the maiden in her arms seems to slumber still and mild as a mother with her child. A star hath set, a star hath risen, O Geraldine, since arms of thine have been the lovely <coughs> lady's prison, O Geraldine, one hour was thine, thou'st had thy will, by tarn and rill, the night birds all that hour were still, but now they are jubilant anew. From Clifford Tower to to who to who to like who that. from wood and fell, and see the lady Christabel gathers herself from out her trance. Her limbs relax. Her countenance grows sad and soft. The smooth thin lids close over her eyes, and tear she sheds. Large tears that leave the lashes bright, and oft the while she seems to smile, as infants at a sudden light. Yea, she doth smile, and she doth weep, like a youthful hermitess, beautiful, beauteous, in a wilderness, who, praying always, prays in sleep, and if she move unquietly, perchance, tis but the blood so free comes back and tingles in her feet. No doubt she hath a vision sweet. What if her guardian spirit were here? 
What if she knew her mother near? But this she knows in joys and woes. That saints will aid if men will call, for the blue sky bends over all. Does that conclude? Part one. <laughs> um, how many parts are there to Chris the Bell carry? Holy smokes. Just two. So guys, hope you enjoyed part one of Chris the Bell. We'll circle back to Chris the Bell a little bit later sometime because I think we've got some other things going on for uh, next week. The Beach House and The Howling. We love you guys. Thanks for joining us for Horror Etc. We tend to wind down in horror etc and get a little chill with our poetry or bonus movie discussions or haunted history i know carrie you'll dive into personal stories you'll dive into dean coon sometimes i think pretty soon we're gonna have to get into some stephen king at some point yeah um hey guys hope you guys are having a great july um just wanted to say we love you guys again take it easy we'll see you next week for the beach house Peace out. Uh, Carrie, what is this weird thing, this fog-like thing with these little, looks like microbes in there approaching us. I, I, Carrie, hold your breath. We better go.